This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 708, brought to you by Daybreak, the only podcast left. Available now on Spotify. And Harry's, to redeem your Harry's trial set, go to harrys.com slash iFanboy. And of course, iFanboy listeners just like you.
iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 708. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Hello. <laughs> You'll find we're not on RTE. That's a bunch of shit. We are... Boy, I could do the whole thing like this, I won't. Every week we read our stack of comics and one of us picks their favorite book and we call that the pick of the week. And sometimes we spend a good hour or two with a guitar putting that little bit to music, trying to figure out how I can make that work. But more on that some other day. Uh, we talk about that book, uh, other books from the week. The patron. I went with country, Connor. By the way, oh, just like so it. you're clear, we talk about that book. Other books from the week. The patron pick. We are skipping listener mail this week. There are many, many things, many books to talk about. Well, we may or may not skip listener mail. We don't like to skip listener mail. If we can do one, we'll do one. But occasionally, and this is not commercial in any way. Occasionally, we get carried talking away about our sponsors, which is, I think, it says a lot about how much we like talking and making up stuff. Also, I mean, just before we get to the pick, and the, well, you finished your little spiel, and I'll explain. That's fine. There will be spoilers. We're going to talk about all these books. Uh, there are things in them that have happened, and if you haven't read them, that might hamper the experience for you. And we don't want that to happen, so that's your spoiler warning. Connor, you go now. So last week was the fifth week. I had ten comics, and I don't know I don't know what my pick would have been. I don't think I know what my pick would have been. I don't know if I mentioned it last week or not. I barely knew what my pick was. But this week, it was a regular old week. I had like – well, it was, it was a heavy week. I had like 23 comics. You said that, and I actually didn't have that feeling. Like, I didn't feel like I had a lot. I didn't have a little, but that was interesting. So I, I think you must have read some stuff I didn't. When I finished reading, I had uh, four comics that I thought were legitimately great, I legitimately loved, and I could legitimately made the pick of the week. I kind of had a little panic about it. And instead of, huh. instead of choosing the pick on Wednesday when I finished my books, I left it to Thursday. I needed, I needed to sleep on it and think on it. And I, it was really hard. I, I don't know the last time I had this this hard of a choice to picking a pick of the week. I wish I could have picked all four. I wish I could have honored them all, but I decided to go with Black Cat number six, Jed McKay, Mike Dowling filling in for this issue. I really wanted to honor this book because it's been really terrific. And I love this issue. This is my kind of comic. This was a in-between issue. The last story was the heist at Four Freedoms Plaza or whatever they're they're not there anymore wherever they are now the building downtown the Fantastic Four their headquarters that was a two-parter and this issue was Felicia Hardy the black cat takes a break and goes on a date and it turns out her date is Batroc the Leaper who we all love here at iFanboy and uh, in addition to the date being adorable and they were really fun together it was structured really well because while the date's happening, her mentor, the Black Fox, who trained her to be a thief and is, runs her little thief, Le Noir. runs her thieving guild, he gets attacked. So it, while they're having their date and over their adorable date dialogue, we keep cutting back to him running for his life, fighting off goons in car chases. And so there's a really great juxtaposition here between her finally getting to unwind and, and flirting and drinking champagne and, and him bleeding and having to take out guys and smoke like Batman. And it was a really terrifically paced and structured issue. And the Mike Dowling was a terrific fill-in artist. It's normally drawn by the old artist from Animal Man. Travel Foreman? Yes. It's normally drawn by Travel Foreman. He's great. And it brings a really strange energy to the book. But Dowling is really terrific. And I don't know the last time I saw him on something, but I, I feel like it should have been something we've both read. Probably. He's, he's really good. I was just really impressed with the craft. I was really happy to have this sort of the breather issue. It's always fun to have an issue where we get to focus on the characters as people and um, see them in non-hero 
situations. Also, the conversation was great. You know, it's a first date, so there's a lot of awkward first date conversations. He asks her about Spider-Man. She says, you must have a hero you're obsessed with. And he says, of course I have one. And she says, who is it? I'm dying to know. And he says, Steve Rogers. (laughs) And first she's confused, and he says, it's fighting is as intimate as making love in, in the, you know, in the great French way. And and then the date hits a lull, as sometimes happens, so they decide to go steal something and, and then have sex. It was a really great issue. This series has been great. I don't know who Jed McKay is. I've never heard of him before, but he's really good at writing comics. Mike Dowling did uh, Unfollow. That was it. That was it. Oh. That was a great-looking book. Yeah. yeah. Recently did Star Wars TIE Fighter, which is a weird little thing that was good. Unfollow was, was one of It was Unfollow, yep. Year. Yeah. He's terrific. I don't know what he's doing. And two, 2000 AD, he's, a, he's, that, he's one of those guys. Well, this is a great issue. And also, if you're at all curious about this book, this is totally an issue anyone can pick up and read. You don't have to know anything about what's going on in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's an X-Men playing softball issue, but with some really serious stuff happening in the, in the side story. This has just been a really fun book. I don't know how long it's going to go. I can't imagine a Black Cat series is going to go that long. But it's one of those little hidden gems that you find... Those little tiny side books that they put good people on that are good that people aren't reading and they go away after a few issues. It was a really fun issue. And it, it tells you a lot about how much I enjoyed it because there was a lot of great books this week that made me really happy. I would think that most people probably thought that Batman Universe would have been the pick, number five. I was one of those people. <laughs> I I struggled, Josh. I mean, largely because you told me, I, I don't know how I'm going to not make this the pick of the week, <laughs> about halfway through, and I was like, listen, we will field whatever comes. This was the last book I read, Batman Universe number five. I saved the most anticipated book for last. You know, there's only one issue left, this, but this is my favorite series. And this issue, it's all been team-ups after the very beginning of the series. And this issue, it's, it's the Nightwing team-up. And since this is out of continuity, he's still Nightwing and he's still Dick Grayson. I, you know what? I hadn't put that together until now, but it's amazing that this wasn't the pick of the week given that content. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. This was one of the best Batman Nightwing team-ups in years. It was incredibly fun. There was a terrific double-page spread in the middle where they, they do a fight through a boat. I think it's a boat. Or wherever, wherever yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, it's a boat. Yeah, submarine that sticks out of the... There's great storytelling going on That there. helicopter they're flying up from the side looks a heck of a lot like the mask one. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm talking about? Miles Mayhem's turned into a jet? Yeah. Sorry. You pulled that out from deep inside. Yep. <laughs> they finally confront Vandal Savage and the Fabergé egg, and it is opened up, and what, what was inside was a legitimate surprise, and then mm-hmm. legitimately made the issue weird and cool. And led to a fun ending and then a fun cliffhanger, which ties in a little bit maybe to what, what we talked about with Batman Annual last week or the week before, with Batman being at the edge of the universe. Right, 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 right. Yeah, maybe. We've talked about Nick Darrington to death, and I think that all those points have been made, and, and it's, it's lovely to look at. And that fight, that two-page spread fight through the ship was super cool. If you're a Nick Darrington fan, he also drew about seven pages of Young Justice this week. No shit. Yeah, in the, in the flashback to Ginny Hex's beginnings. It was good. You get Bendis on your side like that, and uh, you're going to work. We're going to see a lot of you. I mean, I can't say I was a Mike Diodato fan, but once Bendis took a shine to him, the dude was everywhere. <laughs> I think that the thing that comes out of this one that's fun to me is that it pulls back on the grim Batman, mm-hmm. yep. at least in the context of his family. Oh, yeah, for sure. I like that a lot. I think it makes more sense in you know the family context of this character than when he is with 
the Justice League, or at least, you know, the prime guys, or definitely when he's with Alfred or any of these people, that, you know, he can just act like a normal person and let down that mask a little bit. Yep. And I think that that is much more compelling. Yeah, I'd rather read this kind of Batman right now. Yes. Yeah. Grim, dark Batman can be fun, but, like, we talk about Superman having a personality, and he's better yeah. that way. Batman also, you know, joking with, yeah. with Nightwing about his big boy pants was fun. Yeah, and it makes it makes him more compelling right now. I guess it was. I mean, listen, we all had fun when Grant Morrison had Batman lurking around behind the Justice League, even when they were talking. Right. And it was a fun story when we find out that Batman has files on everybody, and and you know, but for him to just have, even I'm making a little pinchy f- finger, but an iota of self awareness, mm-hmm. which which by the way, anybody this intelligent would have for the most part. But I, I like that. I, I like how loose he is. And it's a way that you would think that Bendis wouldn't necessarily be good with Batman because he would be too, like, having him say Yiddish jokes and shit like that. Yeah. But no, he can do it. It's fun. This series is terrific. Between this and books like Superman Smashes the Clan, like, out of continuity stuff can be really good. And people, for the most part, ignore it because it's not part of the tapestry. But this is the kind of great storytelling you get when you're not worried that Dick Grayson is now Rick Grayson and has amnesia and you just, you just tell a great story. It was really good. It was one of the best issues of the series so far and it's already had three picks of the week. Yep. Also loved Legion of Superheroes number one, Brian Bendis again and Ryan Sook. It's such a treat. Like I saw Sook's name on the cover and I was like, oh, that's nice. He'll have done some pages. You know, but no, he drew the whole damn thing. <laughs> he drew the whole thing. He inked a lot of it. Wade Gra- Von Grabadger is a great inker, inked some of it, which changed the way it looked a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a bad way, just not as beautiful as when Sook does it. When Sook yeah. draws it and inks it, it's just, it's a wonder to behold. But it's still really good when Grabadger does it. But this was the first issue of the new series we've been leading up to with the Millennium story we loved, in which Superboy goes to the future and joins the Legion. And here, it's mostly a intro to the... There's not really a lot of conflict. It's mostly just him getting a tour and meeting the team and finding out about Earth. And not watching the presentation. Right. Definitely not watching them. We made this deck. <laughs> <laughs> a little chasing in the beginning, but it's, it's it's a minor one through New Gotham, and I mean, I've never really read any Legion books. I think we read the we obviously read the one that came out of New Fifty Two, but probably would read one issue of that. I probably read less than ten issues in my entire multi decades run on comics. I've never been a Legion fan or a person, but this this was right up my alley. We talked about this. This is Bendis's only team book here at DC, so this is him juggling a lot of characters, a lot of dialogue, a lot of, a lot of over, overlapping talking. It's really interesting because it seems really pretty obvious that, like, boy, this is exactly the book for him. And it's never been considered, like, a hip, cool property. No. And so maybe, like, I never made that connection. But, it, like, if there was ever a point where he, you know, can just sort of, like, here's a thousand different characters who are all going to stand together all the time. <laughs> and most of the time when you're doing that's stupid. You know, that's like, I remember, I think it was, was a Secret War, the, Cre- the, scroll, the scroll one. A Secret Invasion. Yeah, secret. It was just too many people always standing there talking with each other all the time, and it didn't work. But it actually works in this because it's kind of ridiculous. I think the odd choice is that we have just said that Ryan Sook is very, very good, but he's not known as the – I don't know if it's speed or if it doesn't want to do that much, but he's not the most productive artist in terms of volume. How's that? Is that politically yeah, no, that's, that's fair. correct enough? And so you give him a book with a thousand characters and cities everywhere. And I was like, well, that's a weird choice for that. Yeah, I mean, the, the over-under in this is like two and a half issues. Oh, I know. This is this is like uh, like Jim Lee. It's it, it's that level. Of, it, like, it's, it looks beautiful. Gonna... I, I, was, I don't know the last time I saw Ryan Stuck draw this much interior. Me neither. But the opening scene with the heist where Karate Kid and 
The, the main problem is that they don't really introduce all these characters to us that well. Yeah, you know what? There's a, I'm trying to remember. There's another book that we are going to talk about this week where I did have that specific problem. I said, there's too much here. It doesn't bother me in this because I feel like there's so many of them. It's like the Voltron with the vehicles. Right. Like, you can't keep them all straight, but you know what they are. I guess it's really helpful for Superboy because it gets, everyone walks around with a little identifier hanging around them. That's that's helpful for every single person on this book, except uh, Dave Sharp, uh, the letterer. <laughs> but also, that's <laughs> most, mostly they're backwards and behind other people and you can't read them. Yeah. I also like how much it ties into the old DC universe. I don't know how much the, the traditional Legion books did that. I don't I don't know that they did it at all. But here, the heist was for Aquaman's trident, which they, they hope can refill the oceans because there's no more oceans and Earth is just a bunch of city-states around a core Sort of. And and it, it should be like maybe the, the like we're we're going around and like looked really pretty the dialogue was fun or whatever that concept at the middle of this that the earth is not what it was and and sort of the the imagination that it took to sort of construct you know that device that is the earth now is is and and, and even how it was revealed it's great like I, that's big time sci-fi imagination stuff like that's good stuff I and mean, I was really impressed by that I also liked Jonathan's anxiety about being in a bottled city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a nice little character moment. Well, this was great. Yeah, this was really great. Yep. This was everything I was hoping it would be. That, what's funny is that, like, the first, the two, was it two issues? The Legion, you know, pre- prequels? Yeah. 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 You know, those were all about Rose, and she got, I think, a panel. I didn't even notice her. She, there was one point where she tried to get his attention. Oh, was that her? It's at the bottom of, yeah, bottom of page 14. She's like, hi, Mr. Kent, my name is Rose. I'll be right back. Shoots off. She's on that page in every panel. Hmm. She might be in some of the others, but you know that's the whole ball game right there. Right. And and, and they you know they're like that's patient. That's really patient stuff. Well, he's a long term planner. We know that. Yes. And I love that. And finally, Superman up in the sky number five. I thought was the best issue of this series, which we've been really enjoying. There's a world where this is the pick of the week. Mm-hmm. This was the companion book to Batman Universe. This is the Walmart books out of continuity. This is Tom King and Andy Kubert. Two stories per issue for this book. It's supposed to Batman. And in the first one, he is trying to make a deal with Darkseid. The traditional awesome, badass-looking Kirby Darkseid version. He is. Not the terrible whatever the hell they're doing to him in the regular DC continuity. He has to break his oath and murder someone. In this case, this creature who is already dying. And uh, has a special knife that only the knife can kill him. And he's talking to the creature and telling him a story about how he got there. And I thought, those are, I thought this was great. And then at the end, mm-hmm. he he doesn't do it. He breaks his oath by breaking his oath, by lying, mm-hmm. which is also his oath. And then the second story is it's almost like the Batman annual from last week we talked about again. It's, like a day, it's almost like a day in the life of Superman mm-hmm. where he's running around doing all kinds of things at Luther's trial. He's doing reporter work. He's hanging out and having lunch with Batman and Wonder Woman on the rooftops. Takes Lois to the moon, saving a cat. I don't understand the end of it, and I was wondering if this was related to the first bit of it, or did none of that happen, or was it in his head? This is not a complaint, I'm Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess that's the, that's the cliffhanger, yeah. I guess, because next issue is also the yeah, final issue. Either way, even take away that page, I just loved both of these stories so much. There's a part where yeah. Superman's on the roof of the Daily Planet, like for the sunrise, and I was like, "God damn it, that's Superman." My the thing that I thought was impressive with, and by the way, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this is this is easily my favorite uh, Andy Kubert that I've seen mm-hmm. ever. I mean, really, just top notch through the whole thing. 
really sort of blend of modern and classic. And I think it works really well. The art in that, in the offer part 10 is, is wonderful. But what really stands out to me is, uh, is the prose. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like we, I don't know that we forget, but we might not remember that Tom King was, his first stuff was, was novel writing. Mm-hmm before he got into comics. And it's funny because it's a weird back tour to get into, but like he really wanted to be a comic writer because he hasn't written more novels since then, <laughs> as opposed to Charles Soule, other way around. <laughs> but there's a bit where he's talking about Lois, you know, about what's great about her. She's arguing with Perry about how something is and she's going to be right. And then he goes back to work and he talks about how he writes. And he says, synced, informative with the dash of poetry. Pause voice, that's what you want. How would Pa say it? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Like, it's the journalistic side. And I just, I've, again, that's a thought I've never had. Like, right, he's a writer and he's a reporter. So he does think about writing and how he writes. So he has to have a dash of poetry unless he's a terrible reporter. Right. And I love that, you know, Big Blue Boy Scout, whatever. Nope. He's a writer. And, and like, that's a really interesting thing that you'd think that more writers who write Superman (laughs) would sort of figure out. It's a thing that's totally sidelined in Superman. It is. But he is a writer. So the story matters. The way it's said matters. And that shined a, a, a little context on this character that I have never thought of before. And I think that's really interesting. He did it in one panel. It really lovely prose all through this whole thing. It was a great issue. <laughs> I finished reading my books and I was like, oh, God, fuck. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. Like, I had comics I legitimately loved. And I, yeah. any other week they would have won. And I just, it was really tough. It was one of the times where you really hate having to pick only one comic. I think I didn't have as many books as you. I think I had 16, 17, something like that. Not small, but manageable. There were a lot of books I liked. Yeah, I'd say that there were, for me, there were a lot of four stars kind of things. There were a bunch of books when we were making the script. I was like, oh, I like that. And I was like, I don't really have anything new to say about it. You know, I, you know there was that kind of going on. But... I don't know. It's I, I think that's a better problem than I have no idea what to talk about. Oh, it's a it's a good yep. problem, but it's also yep. frustrating because you want to be able to give the blue ribbon to all the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you can't. So we've been on a good X-Men streak, Josh. We've been excited by the X-Men books. We had uh, X-Men and we had Excalibur and the other one that I can't remember. <laughs> Marauders. But Marauders. That was pick of the week. And then this week we got two new ones. X-Force number one. From Benjamin Percy and Joshua Kassara, and then New Mutants number one from Ed Brisson and Jonathan Hickman, and art by Rod Rice or Reese. I didn't like either one. I only read one of them. Would you like to guess which? I'm going to say New Mutants. I did read New Mutants. That's correct. I didn't read X Force because I didn't notice it until it was too late. But then when I looked at it, I thought, should I emergency read this? And I thought, I don't want to read this. <laughs> so you're saying that was fine? Yeah, it's fine. What's the quick pitch? The, what's the story? What's the deal? X Force is. In the name, you know, in the, in the old days, X Force was the more militant, badass team that does the the, the wet work, mm-hmm. you know, the, the stuff that the other X Men won't do. And here, it was weird because, actually, I kind of wish you had with this one because we'd been setting up this whole idea that Krakoa was this impenetrable fortress, and you basically couldn't get there, and and it was a safe paradise for the the mutants. And, and here in the first issue, it's invaded by a bunch of gunmen, and there's a, there's a fight on the island, and. And they have to kill them. And, and then at the end, the cliffhanger, we gave you the spoiler warning, is that Professor Xavier shot in the head. And we, the last pay, picture is his giant helmet cracked and broken on the ground with a bullet hole in the middle. That's a sort of a 50-50 win-lose situation. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't love the art. And Dean White's the colorist. He's a good colorist. I didn't love the way it was colored. And it just seemed weird to undercut the scenario so quickly in that there's a these four mercenaries are, you know, basically parachute into the island and 
we just spent all these comics talking about how, how Krakoa was this impenetrable X-Men paradise, and it was just weird. <laughs> and then Kitty Pride's Marauder's team makes a brief cameo in a completely different boat, which was strange, like a tugboat. <laughs> that would have been funnier. It was a weird comic. I didn't like the way it looked. Because then you could call the book Kate and her tugboat crew. Tugging ain't easy. Tugging ain't easy when you're phasing. So, wait, was it? Yeah, it was this one she was in, right? Yeah, because you would have talked about the other issue. Yeah. Uh, I might not have. That's not yeah, no, true. No, it's this one. It's this one. And they're smuggling in, like, black market stuff to the island, which it's, it was all weird. I didn't like it. So, like I'm it. genuinely looking at New Mutants again to remember what it was. Uh-huh. Because, you know what? I know why I grabbed it. I grabbed it because Rod Reese. Right. He's good. Whose art I really like. And I get it mixed up with Ivan Reese, mm-hmm. whose art I don't love as much. Very different thing. And so I liked that. I, I think it looked really beautiful. It looked different than the other books. It's sort of, I don't even know how to describe that guy, but it's, it's a lot of different uh, things going on. Really good faces. But I don't know any of these characters. And yeah. as I kept going through it, I thought, oh, I've heard of a lot of these and I don't care. So I thought there were things about it that were fun on paper going into space with um, – the Starjammer people, the, yeah. the Cyclops' dad for some reason. Yeah. Just the weirdest thing that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of really good stuff in it. Um, in fact, as far as a, a Hickman book goes, and I don't think he scripted it. No, I don't think so either. It was pretty straightforward and, and entertaining. The Corsair. Corsair. Corsair the most ridiculous looking. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous character. And I can't help but appreciate it for that. But at the end of the day, I, I, I didn't learn anything about anybody. That was the problem we had when the New Mutants book was the patron pick a few weeks ago, where mm-hmm. we, we didn't know the characters, we didn't really care about the characters, and it, I kept having to flip back to the beginning to find out their names, because you know, it didn't tell you really in the course of the book so much as it tells you in the mm-hmm. in a roster rundown in the beginning, and then I don't know what their powers are, I don't know, you know, like, I just never been, I've never been a New Mutants person, so I don't know these characters at all, and they didn't really do a good job of explaining it if they're hoping to get any people who weren't New Mutants fans. And it was right. not a bad comic. No, no, this, yeah, like, it wasn't. If, if you can look past that, and I'm sure, hopefully many people can, then you probably really enjoyed it and looking forward to more. But for me, I just was like, I don't know why I care. And also, I don't, I never really love the mutants in space angle. I know that's been a major part yeah. of the X-Men history, but a lot of that happened in and around my X-Men reading. So I've not really been a mutants in space kind of guy. And the New Mutants characters I don't even know are having space adventures with the Star Jammers is not really a mm-hmm. concept I'm really into, so... But you're right. Like there were some really entertaining and good scenes. You know, it was fine. But end of the day, you know, that's that's a great show. I'm not watching it. Yeah, there's already a lot of comics. There you go. (laughs) This is the thing I'm working on, and and I've gotten better at it. Whether you're like, no, that book's good, and I'm like, that's great. I still don't want to read it. I can, you know, and this isn't really even that. But you got to do it. TV shows too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of everything. Yeah. Speaking of which, if you're a fan of the show Daybreak, speaking of TV shows. Or, if you just love learning how to survive in a teen-filled, post-apocalyptic world, which, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to survive in a regular teen world, you're going to need to subscribe to this new podcast. It's called The Only Podcast Left, and it's Netflix's first fictional podcast. They're moving into the fictional podcast world now, Josh. They're everywhere. It's the only podcast left in this post-apocalyptic world. Ooh, they're definitely not going to be able to stop. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't pod fit in the only one left. So here, here's yep. what it's all about. It's set in the world of Daybake. <laughs> Daybake. That's where they bake cookies. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were talking about California. It's set in the world of Daybreak, written by showrunner Aaron Colette, I think, starring Tessa Netting, Kyle Sherman, Kimia, Bipornia, and Jared Goldstein. And meet your hosts, the AV Club, 
They're a group of kids who survived the apocalypse by using their skills to rig cameras and spy on warring tribes all over Glendale. And now they're making a show about it while juggling their own personal drama and trying to stay alive as mutant pugs, ghoulies, and a mysterious new tribe all try to kill their vibe. It's not cool, ghoulies. Meet members of the LARP Lords, the Donut Hoes, the Stem Punks. These are all great names. And more in their tribe spotlight segment. I would be a member of the Donut Hoes. Forget it, Connor. It's just Glendale. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Those are really great names. And this podcast is full of spoilers, so make sure you watch the whole show on Netflix before pressing play on this podcast. And you might just find out what happens after the end of Daybreak Season 1. Featuring Daybreak cast member Austin Crute in a special guest appearance as Wesley Fists of Fury. The only podcast left is available now on Spotify. Remember, um, was it last week we talked about the Death or Glory? Yes. I, I mean, I, I saw it and, I, and I, I, I squinted a little like somebody that you thought you recognized at the mall but then weren't sure. Right. I was like, oh, what happened to that book? And here it is, Death and Glory number six. And I was a little torn, Josh, because, you know, I don't even remember how many months it's been since the last issue. I, I barely remember what happened in it. And gen- You're saying you, you barely went for it then. You were like, yeah. Eh. Generally speaking, I don't. I don't like to reward that behavior. And I realize that these comics, the image books, are done on their spare time. And and I get that. And I understand that. I'm not a monster. But also, like, I'm supposed to read these things periodically. I, I need some commitment here to schedule because I can't remember everything. Uh-huh. But I thought, all right, I'll give this a go. And I know Remender does a pretty in-depth recap thing. And and I basically remembered what was happening. And yeah, I, I didn't find that was a problem once I got going. And then by the end of it, I, I really enjoyed it. So I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I'm on the fence about this one. I don't know that I don't know that he's given me a thing to grab onto, other than the fact that I really like looking at Bengal's work. Mm-hmm. Bengal's terrific. Yeah, I think it was the cliffhanger. So this is you know the community people who live off the grid, mm-hmm. and there was a whole human trafficking scenario in the first five issues, and here they've had yeah. to escape. They have to go to Mexico to get her dad's surgery done because they can't do it in the U.S. because they're wanted, and mm-hmm. so they have to get the help of the coyotes. To get across the border, ironically, and they go to their like hidden little village town, and that looks fun. Yeah, I think I'll give yeah. them one more issue to make to see. I think that's fair. There's stuff here that's good. I really just like the iconography of her like racing stripes and everything with with that stuff. I think it looks looks real good. There was a lot of speechifying. There was almost more than dialogue. And a very Garth Ennis like villain. Yeah, I felt, and I, that part I was like, yeah, I don't know if that one's working for me, but I'm definitely gonna give another issue. Yes. Death or Glory. It's just another story. It's a Clash song, people. That's what he's referring to. All of his comics are based on punk songs. <laughs> Wonder Twins number nine. I mean, we, we've talked about this before. I, I think we have in a little bit, though. The thing that's creeping in with it, I think, is that the weight that he managed to put in. Like the, the part where you're starting to see that, you know, like in, in um, not Droopy, the uh, Snaggle, Snagglepuss. Snaggle, yes. Like, Droopy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Droopy. How it it is like there's just so much more there than appears. It's so easy to make this guy slapstick funny humor guy, but you know then he hits you with a sad elephant in a closet. That's what makes him great is that he's not just no, a funny guy. He's very good at layering in this whole other thing happening behind the scenes that comes to the forefront at the perfect moment, and then it gets you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also just has real world, you know, analog. Like all of a sudden, the story is telling you something about your world at the same time too. I, I think it's actually related to that last episode of Silicon Valley that I saw, 
where you know the one guy has all the money and it's because his, his father was into some bad shit. And this sort of talks about that too. But this really is about the shame of the Wonder Twins' grandfather and what he did on their world and sort of their secret origin kind of thing. You know, and it's a it's probably not a very common question, but it's a real question. You know, and Superman comes and talks to her about it, you know, in the middle of eating a burrito, which is all he wanted to do, by the way. He just came to microwave his burrito. Also, they need to get an oven <laughs> in Hall of Justice because there's no reason why he has to microwave that burrito and turn it into big mush. Well, just put it in the oven and some tinfoil. I don't know if you noticed this. He has heat vision. Well, that's so thing. wrap it up in heat in tinfoil, put some heat vision on it. You got yep. yourself a muffin. I'm not a muffin, a burrito. <laughs> Then you've had this whole uh, – you got this whole uh, created an AI thing, which is a big mustache and a monocle, and he always says, hello, yo, and it's very funny, and it's just it's just good. I'm just waiting for the great scramble to happen. It's, it almost happened. The one great thing about Mark Russell, and I don't know that he knew enough to engineer this at the beginning, but I think he might now, he's always got one good, consistent artist. All of his stories, all of his sort of great series have had one great artist on it. Well, someone who is not a household name, someone you don't necessarily know, who just came on and did exactly the right thing. Right. All yep. the way through. Yep. Kept it consistent. That's amazing. Yeah. The other thing is, on page 23, are power sockets upside down like that anywhere in, in America? I mean, theoretically, you could just install them that way. Just no one does. It doesn't make a difference to their function. I'm sometimes shocked that the person who built my house put them right side <laughs> up. Because that's about it. I'd say much more uh, terrible on this page is the weird perspective around the computer in panel three. Mm. Look mm. at that nightmare mm. of vanishing. That's not right. None of that's right. Well, it's an old computer. No, no, no. That it's, That's the drawing. <laughs> you know it. Moving along. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Doom number two was one pick of the week or not a patron pick. No. I mean, uh, better. I think it was. We talked Almost. about it no matter what. Yeah, and we both really liked it. And when I started this one out, I thought, "Did I like this?" And then as we and I had to remember what it was because it is one of those non-continuity things. And I think Doom is starting to show up in a bunch of stuff. I think I read this. Doom the was same in like, I read. at least three books this week. Yeah, so yeah. that sort of makes it a little tougher. But again, I don't know if this is out of continuity or not. Or not. I, I, mean, I it assume isn't. it's in, it's in continuity, but it's not really right. Yeah. But whatever. I'm reading a story that has nothing to do with anything else, and once that locks in, I'm always sort of like, good, anything can happen. You know, I'm fine with that. And then again, I forgot that Kang had showed up in that, so we got a surprise Kang. I was like, oh, oh, Kang time, and he has a Lego notch on his head, which is nice. Kangus ex machina. He shows up go. right at the right time to save the day for Doom whenever he needs it. Then it got kind of weird. He goes to see Morgan Le Fay, who's in Queens. He's got a burrito also. Something's going on with that. But it was just silly enough. The way that they were talking to each other, I was like, this is... And Morgan Le Fay was just in the Excalibur book last week. Yeah, yeah. Totally different. And uh, this was, I don't know, it was just enjoyable. It was, it was, it's stupid. Yeah, Herbie's... The woman he puts in charge of that very uh, last week or last <laughs> month, whenever these books come out. Uh, I don't even... What's her name? Victorious. She was in another book, too. Oh. It must have been Fantastic Four or something like that. But I think so, yeah. She was on TV as the ruler of Latveria. So it is, it, it is in continuity, but it's just sort of a, a, to the side. It's confusing. I don't love the art, as we talked about, the La Roca faces. Yeah. For La Roca, though, it's not bad. Those bits with Morgan Le Fay and Queens are really pretty well done. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it is. It is. It's just offbeat enough that it's interesting. So my problem with... <laughs> the Green Lantern, Black Stars, number one, Grant Morrison, Hermenico. This is a offshoot 
side miniseries to this Green Lantern book that Morrison is doing. I think it's taking its place until the book comes back. Is I didn't like the Black Star story in Green Lantern. So That's true. Now it's like, well, now you get a whole book about it. It felt like I was having a bad trip. Like I was high on the wrong stuff, on some bad shit. Yeah, I'd say that's probably pretty okay. It was a lot of that Grant Morrison imagination monster space stuff. But then you don't really get the Hal Jordan who we've been hanging out with because right. he's under deep cover. Yep. So like I'm it's having a hard time where he's standing and then like what do you what do you stake your claim to here? And I don't yeah, know no, what. Nothing to ground the craziness. You need something to ground it yeah. before it was Hal and now it's 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 just all turned to eleven here. Yeah, all the elements are, are here, not something that I would necessarily read, but I thought the art was really nice, whoever Zermenico is. He's real good, and he's someone who comes in and fills in. And stuff. But like he's, he's yeah. he or she or they yeah. is very good. Yeah. We don't even know, you know, and it's Grant Morrison. It wasn't impenetrable or anything, but ultimately, like, I need some of that humor. I need something. Yeah, I was I need really a little more humanity. the Green Lantern book, and it's, it had a lot of humor in it. This is just sort of like... All the stuff that I was barely hanging on to in the other book. Now, yeah. starring in its own series. It's like, oh. Right. Yeah. It was, 100%. That, was, that was rough, which is a bummer. But those are the books we wanted to talk about. There's a lot of books we could have talked about more, but we have a very taskmasting producer who wants us to keep it to an hour. But let's talk about the patron pick who uh, is voted on by the patrons themselves. Every patron gets to vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the voting was very much in line with... This week in which there, there was a lot of books voted for because there was a lot of choices. And so, therefore, not a lot of books got a lot of different votes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so, but the Runaway Winner was Undiscovered Country, number one, from Image Comics. Scott Snyder and Charles Soule are the co-writers. Giuseppe Camincoli and Danielle Orlandini is, are on the art. Matt Wilson and Crank. <laughs> it's not a weak team. No. So, this is a story of a bunch of European and... Asian and African soldiers and scientists and scholars and diplomats in this helicopter who are flying to the U.S. on an invitation to come parlay, which is crazy because the U.S. basically walled itself off from the world 30 years ago and no one's seen, no one's seen the inside, no one knows what's going on in there. And uh, they get in and they're immediately attacked and now are stranded in the U.S. amidst warring tribes and warring factions and no one knows what's real or who's in charge. That's the general premise of the I'd say that's correct. Did you read the little, not the little, but did you read the long essay in the back? No. About I read where, some of it. Where it came from and them visiting DARPA and the CIA and all that stuff? No, but that doesn't surprise me. I got to say, at the end, I didn't need more information. It's a bummer because the premise I love. I love this kind of premises. Like, you mm-hmm. know, kind of uh, speculative future, real world premise. You know, what happens if the U.S. builds giant fucking walls with turrets and guns and, and this this crazy air shield, which apparently is based on something they saw at DARPA, that keeps everybody out. And that's a interesting premise. And now if they had landed there and it had been like DMZ, where it was grounded in the real world and, and felt terrifying because it was grounded in the real world, that would have been one thing. But then there's all these like Mad Max mutants and creatures. And you know, it's like, oh, that's disappointing. I would say I jumped off before then. A <laughs> couple of reasons. Some subjective, some objective. Mm-hmm. I had mentioned this earlier. I think there was way too many people and way too much going on that we were just thrown into. And I think that these two writers are too good to let that happen because there was the doctor lady who I kind of got a hold on. But I don't even think I realized that they weren't American. I lost my bearings early on. Because it starts 12 nautical miles from the coast of California, which to me seems like that's America. They were coming to America. 
Yeah, I know, I, I know, I know. But that's sort of where I had placed myself at the beginning. So I guess Alliance Euro Athens. Oh, there was an Athens. See, I just I just missed little bits of it. But honestly, if you you back up, I'm looking at a two page spread right now. It's just masses of word balloons. Mm-hmm. And I get that there's a lot going on, and we have to be explained. But it's just it was too much. Literally, I was hit with too much, and without giving me a grounding point of a person who I wanted to follow around. I had a really hard time with that. In fact, I started like. Was it page fourteen, fifteen? This double page spread, it's just too much. Like I wasn't even having fun reading. I was pushing my way through it. And I love Giuseppe Camicoli, and I love Matt Wilson. And I think that, you know, other than that one two page spread where the helicopter sort of comes up to the wall for the first time, mm-hmm. that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I want them to slow down, yeah, or figure out a different way to get into it. I think that's a objective thing. The subjective thing is that. Unless I'm being completely and hundred percent wowed, I don't want to. I don't want to know what could go wrong. <laughs> I, I, like I'm just. I am not in the mood for that kind of story at all right now. And I know why it's happening right now. And it's the thumb on the pulse. And it is you know the rip from the headlines. And this is the thing that people are thinking about. It's totally true. And when when Neil Stevenson did it for three glorious pages in fall, it was beautiful and amazing. And you know in this, I just thought, oh, this isn't quite as good a version of that thing. And it's just it's just depressing. I understand. In, in a way. And that is totally subjective. And it's these are these are this is a valid thing. There's good ideas in here, but it's a mishmash of stuff, and I didn't pick up a thread yet. Yeah, I mean, I, you're you're totally right about there not being like a, a through line where we have this helicopter full of characters, and you don't really know them, and you don't really like them. Right. They're all bickering and, and dicks to each other, and yeah, and like to be interested in. You can be interested in a character you don't like. Right. But I wasn't interested or liked anyone. They're also all dressed weird. Like that, the only the only downside to Kevin Coley, who certainly not alone in this, is that drawing people in regular clothes is, is a challenge for some comic artists. They all looked like they were uncomfortable and ill-fitting in their clothing. <laughs> Again, for me, and my subjective thing is, I would like this to have been you know on the ground as opposed to whatever that flying shark is that guy's on. And you know when the the Mad Max people show up and he looks like he's on the ground. I was like, why is a shark dragging itself along the ground? <laughs> Right, and I and I get that they were talking in the essay about how everything in here is extrapolating on something they've learned about visiting the CIA and DARPA, but still, it's just like uh, I don't know, it's just not as interesting to me when the guy's on a like a mutant bison. I know that at the end of that, I got to you know three pages of text, and I was like, oh, I don't got that in me. <laughs> it says Charles and I, so that means that Scott wrote it. Yep. You know, he's got a remarkable need to explain himself, and I I want the work to stand for itself a little more. Well, that's, that's also an image thing. Every book has an explanation. I know, I know, and I get that, and it's fine. And Rucka does it. I don't read it when he does it. And I love I love uh, that, that book um, that I can't think of the name of. Uh, she the Girl. Uh, you know, the, anytime... It doesn't narrow it down. Yeah. No, the Rucka book about about the, the Lazarus. Lazarus, yeah. You know, there's, I don't read any of that stuff at the end. Like, I want it to be in the text of the thing. If I want to read, you know, extra stuff, then that's optional. So I usually don't. Yeah, I, I like you know. I'm guessing this will get more enjoyable when it coalesces a little bit, but I also just feel like it, it's been covered a lot, and I don't know that I'm interested in this kind of story again. I, I understand. You think? That makes sense to me. Yeah. My subjective problem is different than your subjective problem, but it's still a subjective problem. I don't disagree with your thing. I just didn't even get to that. Right. Well, I understand. Yeah. So let's do a rating on Undiscovered Country Number One ratings out of five. Hmm. It's like a super group that got together and made a band you were super excited about, and then you're like, I don't know, this is all working together. 2.75? I was very similar on you there. 
I was like two and a half teams too low, three teams too high. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna echo you there. All right. Now the real question: Are you gonna read number two? Are you sticking with it? Probably. Interesting. I would have thought you were in dead no on that. I, I you know, I like these guys. Mm-hmm. I want to like the thing they're doing. I want to like it. So I, you know, gives depends on the week. I, I've found that I stick with things longer than I want to, and then I'll get to one week where I just go, you know what, this is it. I'm calling. I did that on Immortal Hulk. Yeah. I think the last time an issue came out, I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know what, I'm not gonna read it. And then this week, I I downloaded it again, and I thought, you know, I didn't read the last. You know, I'm not gonna read it. I'm just, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> and I, and I, I think it's gonna depend on the week that comes out. Yes. If it's, if it's a heavy week like this one again, then I, I don't know that I'm going to. But I may, I I may, because I didn't, I didn't dislike it. Intensely, but I also didn't love it, so I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll see. So that's the patron pick over patreon.com slash ifanboy. Any patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. Thanks to all, all who do. But if you give it the $5 or higher level, you're a special patron who gets a special superpower, and we do it live on the show. So let's thank the patrons. Ross Moore has a very unique power. If you are a person, doesn't matter your career, what your status is, and you walk up to Ross Moore, he will wave his hand in front of you, and he will be able to tell whether you have a Netflix development deal in you. In like in in your soul? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've had this story, and he's like, "It's never gonna happen." And then somebody else is is just like, "I don't even have a story," and he goes. Find it. You have a Netflix development deal in you. And so he can <laughs> divine whether people will get one. And, you know, it's about 70% of people in the United States. Sure. So, you know, he, you know, it's it's not super hard for him to guess. But, if you know, if you were like, should I write this script? You get yourself around Ross. You'd be like, yeah, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But then he looks at you and he sort of squints and he goes, Hulu. And you <laughs> go there. So it's not just Netflix. It's any development deal. I mean, he's not as, he's not as good with the other ones. A streaming but, deal. Yeah, it's 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 it is Netflix censored, but he's learned a lot in his time. You know, so like that, he, the strange tugging feeling on his on his to the side mm-hmm. means it's uh, it's uh, what are the other ones? Amazon. <laughs> Scream picks. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I know I pay for it, and I I don't know how why. I don't want it. Ruari Dixon, I think Ruari. I hope that's correct. Ruari. Oh, clo- or close. Uh, Ruari is a minor healer. So what Ruari can do is heal anything that is minor and not life-threatening. So for instance, Josh, if you stubbed your toe, or you slept wrong, and you had a crick in your neck. Every day. Yeah. That doesn't seem to go away in in, in our age, does it? No. You know, like bruise your tailbone, or whack your shin on a table. Anything like minor, like that. How? How is he with plantar fasciitis? <laughs> well, if it's a big quality of life issue, it really depends. Uh-huh. Well, almost like Ross is feeling feeling the the deal, right? Or, or has to feel if this is if this is too major of an of an issue. <laughs> I like that it's got low aspirations. Yeah, it's just like no, I can only like if you had just got a splinter, uh huh, could have healed that. But it got, it got a small infection, so yeah. you get this could here. lead to something serious. So no, you gotta go see that. <laughs> That's good. Brandon Lee, and yes, I am going to avoid the obvious things I could say here. If he's ever in a situation and he yells, top of his lungs, calm the fuck down, everyone does. Whoa. But only that phrase? 
Yeah, and he's got to yell it, top of his lungs, which, by the way, in real life does not make people calm down. <laughs> if you see it in movies a lot where, like, a bunch of people be arguing and the one character be like, shut the fuck up, and everyone goes, huh? And they calm down. That does not work in real life unless you're Brandon Lee. Right. Um, calm the fuck down. And everyone's like, oh, all right, cool. It's as if anybody, everybody just done a meditation session or something like that. Jared Blanchard, this is actually somewhat similar to Ross Moore. Jared Blanchard can look at anyone and see a little floating power level. <laughs> but what it measures is how much that person likes Jared Blanchard. Oh, wow. That's useful. It's not just romantic sexual, although it could be. But it's also like, you know, as a person or a coworker or whatever their relationship is, you know, how much does this person like me? And he sees it on like a video game power level next to them. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is it an empirical, like, like it, is a, it is an unqualified number, like say it's a 1 to 100, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily clear how that is applied? Because right. there's different ways to it's like people. It's a bar, and the bar could be full or, or halfway full or down at the bottom if it's, you know, uh-huh. someone that really doesn't like Jared. But and he, could use, he could use that to try to help raise the, raise it, raise the bar. Well, that was my other question. Yeah. Is it an inherent value? Well, he he can yeah. You know, anything you do to, to make someone like you more, you can do, and the bar can they can like you more. So the bar can go up. Okay, so you're saying it's not that 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 like affinity is not faded, and it's not it's not static. It's it's moving. It's like anything. You know, people's opinions or feelings change. So, if you tell a bad joke, all the bars in the room might go down a little bit, uh huh, or just a little bit, not even like a lot, but like oh, oh wow, <laughs> like <laughs> it'd be like if you said the phrase. I'm not racist, but right. and you just see all the bars go boom. Except for the one guys. And then you're like, uh shit. <laughs> it would spike. You'd be like, fuck, Gene likes me. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the patron powers. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Give it the five dollar high level. You can get your own power live on the show. Just like these three's four. You know what I'm gonna do? Mm-hmm. As soon as we're done with this. I'm gonna go over to the bathroom, which is I wanna say about ten feet to my right. Uh-huh. Take a shower. Let it get nice, hot, steamy in there. Then I'm going to take up my Harry's blade. I'm going to yeah. clean things up. That's what I'm going to do. Get yourself right. I, I, you got to get yourself right. Yeah. And, I, and the thing is, I, I'm not going to have to worry after that that, like, oh, it didn't. It gives me a, it gave me a, an ingrown hair or some razor bumps or anything like that. It doesn't happen. I don't really have that problem anymore. And I think that's pretty great. Humans for thousands of years have been shaving, and they have had that problem. The secret to great shave has not changed very much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge and add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades. And this is important at a fair price. I like my Harry's. I was initially attracted by the rubbery orange handle. I'm going to say, oh, I like but I, that looks better than the other one that I'm using now. But it turns out that the whole system was a lot better than that. And now uh, I have all suite of products. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I like many of the products. In fact, I'm, I'm low on my uh, uh, face lotion slash sunblock stuff. Uh-oh. I got to go get some more of that. And you can get it now in, in, in certain stores, uh, not just mail order. But probably the easiest thing is still just order directly from them over at harrys.com. They uh, are returned to essentials, quality durable blades at a fair price, $2 a blade. There is no middleman manufactured blades in their own German blade factory. They've been making precision blades for a century. It says here they have been honing precision blades, which is a word I like very much. That means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. Super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly. 
on your schedule to your door with or without a subscription, you choose. There's no risk. If you try uh, Harry's Out, you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. People who are listening to the sound of my voice right now, you can get your trial set from Harry's at harrys.com slash ifanboy. In that, you will get a weighted ergonomic uh, handle with a firm grip. The weighted is important Mm -hmm. because otherwise you see the disposables that don't have the weight. I'm shaking yeah. my head at you and raising my eyebrows like you can see me. Uh, that That's no good. That's going to cause a slip and a movement you don't want. That weighted ergonomic handle, firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. Never underestimate that lubricating strip. That's true. It works. There's a rich lathering shave gel in there with aloe in it. Aloe is the most magical thing that's ever grown out of the ground. And yes, I know that there's people who have different opinions on that, but I mean it. Uh, it will keep your skin hydrated. And uh, there's a travel blade cover which is the coup de grace on this whole thing. Keeps your razor dry, easy to grab onto on the go. Shove your hand in that bag without fear. That's true. The blade will be covered. It's not coming off. You're fine. Go to harrys.com slash ifanboy to start shaving better today. Quick email. Good. Carl says, I just watched The Game Changers on Netflix. This episode's brought to you by Netflix. This is one of those... Who puts air in the Batmobile's tires type of questions, but they're fun to discuss. Do you think Batman keeps up on the latest athletic science to stay at peak performance, or is he more of a gifted athlete? I think we're, we're going to be in agreement on this. Oh, interesting. What do you, what do you think? I think, it's the, I think it's the former. But also, he's probably ahead of a lot of that science on his own. He's got techniques that you don't even know about. <laughs> some, some other kind of <laughs> techniques. <laughs> I think he doesn't I mean, have time for any of that nonsense. He just gets by on rage. Really? I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, he doesn't really eat well. He's never eaten the food that Alfred puts out for him. Mm-hmm. He's not on steroids. He's not doing the stretches. He doesn't have a foam roller. So you don't think he's like one of those Marines who, who cleans his gun and, and knows how to keep it all tip-top shape? Like that's his body's his weapon, so he's just getting by on I mean, hoping his metabolism doesn't you fail? You see him doing exercise, and you see him like uh, right. in, the, in, the, in the back cave and stuff, but he doesn't really have time for that. Mostly he gets by on psychotic rage. I feel like he. I feel like he, he, like that would be part of the whole investigation thing and making sure that he can do the job. Maybe. And especially in regards to the fact that he doesn't eat well and doesn't sleep enough. Right. That's the thing, like, we're going to say that Batman doesn't have a superpower. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> you will fall apart. You just will. I mean, force of will and, and gifted bodily constraints are certainly a thing. But uh, especially as, as Batman approaches his early middle age. His dotage. Yeah, I mean, maybe he didn't have to earlier, but I'm guessing as he felt himself – see, my, my thought would be that literally as he felt himself slow down as anybody would naturally, he would have thought a way to combat that so that he can continue his quest, his sacred charge. I mean, sure, that's going to happen later. Yeah, he doesn't have time for that nonsense. Don't shiv. <laughs> Dark Knight Returns line. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's a call wrote in to ask us about Batman's fitness regime. Which is beating up criminals. That's how he stays tip-top. Had it coming. Let's talk about other shows we do in addition to this one. The Josh's Talksplow with Kyle Starks is out. If you want to hear him talk Kyle about comics and writing comics and drawing comics and his fitness regime. Did you talk about that? I don't remember. I don't believe we talked about his fitness regime. He seems, seems to have a very positive mental attitude. I think that, that has a lot to do with it. It got pretty explicit. Okay. And also, um, you can find the Wonder Woman Bloodline show, which the Animation Brand Trust talked about the latest DC Universe animated film. And that's somewhere behind the show as well. Those are back in the feed. And it's coming soon. 
It is a talk. No, not a talk. Explode. A book book explode. That's a script error. Book explode this month. We pulled an audible. We had a book all ready to go. We decided to change it the last minute, which is why we don't tell you ahead of time because sometimes that happens. So sometime in the next few weeks, you'll get a book explode. And once we are close to that time, we will tell you what it is. But it's a recent uh, published recent release. Recent release. With, so if you do want to read along with the book, you can you can do that. But oddly enough, uh, the stuff inside not recent. Ooh, that's a spoiler. It is not, but not of the same vintage. Ooh, a double spoiler. A lot going on there. If you like what you're hearing, you want to talk about this, if you want to speculate on what that might be, anything, you can go to ifanboy.com and you can find all of our podcasts. You can comment on the shows that are there. You can you can sign up for an account. We don't do anything with that information, I promise you. We, we wouldn't have the bandwidth to. It just allows you to comment on the site. And there it is. You can find out what the pick is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy and following at ifanboy on Twitter or follow at ifanboycomics on Instagram. It would be at ifanboy, but, well, you know how Instagram works if you don't get one. Uh, right away, uh, you will there. You'll find the the best of the weekend panels. You will find some. Uh, you'll you'll if you want to look into the Batrock the Leaper date, you'll find a little more about that in one of those. For example, you can follow us individually. Uh, CS Kilpatrick on Instagram and JAA Flanagan on Instagram. Flanagan. Hey, because I couldn't get to that first, and that was a long time ago. That was like 2007. There it is. I'm going to keep going through. If you like this show, you can uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you want to, or let people know about it. And, uh, social media links are the word of mouth marketing currency uh, out there now. But if you happen to be out there in meat space and you're, you're, you're listening, sitting on the subway with no headphones, listening to our show out loud, and everyone hates you, but one person goes, yeah, "That's actually kind of funny," and I, I, I like the New Mutants, and you say, "Oh, well, they like that book. Okay, you could try this podcast. Do that. Try that as a thing." Don't ever – there's no reason to ever have your speakers turned up in the real world. I was at breakfast the other morning mm-hmm. and I have my book and I'm reading and I was so happy to be reading my book. And then I hear next to me like a video. Yeah. A guy starts watching and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then I thought, all right, well, I could ask him nicely to turn it down and that will make him angry. Or I can pull up a Black Flag song and turn it up really loud on my phone, have him look at me and go, what, you don't mind? Or I could just leave. And that's how Josh got stabbed to death in the mean, donut shop. Oh, there's pumpkin pancakes at the local diner. <laughs> Don't do that is what I'm saying. Tell people about the show in a different way other than forcing them to listen to it on public transit. People do it at the gym. Do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awful. All right. Well, that's <laughs> it for this show. <laughs> it's kind of a downer of an ending. I'm yeah. sorry. But until comics. next week, when it hopefully will be less of a downer at the end. Although I think I had a really good time reading comics and talking about them this week. So there you go. Always. Always. I will be Connor. And I will I will remain Josh. Turn it down. Or off. Calm the fuck down. Okay.